0: We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Monday, July 31st episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I'm Wayne Floyd, your host faith comes from hearing podcast as a humble member of the christian podcast community you can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org a lot of great listening over there over 60 well curated podcasts variety of topics definitely worth your while i want to continue to point you at the final link in my show notes as it is for the vale valley baptist church give sin go campaign we are striving to rapidly pay off our mortgage so that we can commence establishment of a christian classic education based school to provide a trustworthy alternative, alternative, excuse me, here on our community. So go ahead and click on that link. Uh, Pastor Jay's put a very solid description up there, a very thorough description of what we're trying to do. And then we would ask three things of you. We'd ask you to pray for us. We'd ask for you to prayerfully consider giving to us, and we'd ask you to pass the link along so others can do the same. All right. Well, I want to apologize. I I, I got so wrapped up trying to get sermon ready and everything, and I was struggling with it a little bit and I completely forgot to record a Sunday episode. So I am so, so sorry. I realized it after I got home from church today. And after having preached, I was just wore out. So I'm sorry that we missed an episode, but here we go. We're getting back in. We're gonna be doing our Bible reading today. We're gonna be be getting back into our Bible study in John chapter 10. Uh, Looks like this week we should be able to finish here um, by Wednesday evening, God willing, have finished John 10 and we'll be moving on into John 11 where we're going to see Lazarus resurrected. So really looking forward to that. But these have been great verses so far. So let's go ahead and jump into our morning segment. We are going to open up with the second day morning prayer, God over all. Let's pray. O God all-sufficient, Thou hast made and upholdest all things by the word of Thy power. Darkness is Thy pavilion. Thou walkest on the wings of the wind. All nations are nothing before thee. One generation succeeds another, and we hasten back to the du- dust. Excuse me. The heavens we behold will vanish away like the clouds that cover them. The earth we tread on will dissolve as a morning dream. But thou, unchangeable and incorruptible, art forever and ever, God over all, blessed eternally. Infinitely great and glorious art thou. We are thy offspring and thy care. Thy hands have made and fashioned us. Thou hast watched over us with more than parental love, more than maternal tenderness. Thou hast holden our soul in life, and not suffered our feet to be moved. Thy divine power has given us all things necessary for life and godliness. Let us bless thee at all times, and forget not how thou hast forgiven our iniquities, healed our diseases, redeemed our lives from destruction, crowned us with loving-kindness and tender mercies, satisfied our mouths with good things, renewed our youth like the eagles, may thy holy Scripture, scriptures excuse me, govern every part of our lives and regulate the discharge of all our duties so that we may adorn thy doctrine in all things. Amen. All right. Well, our morning devotion from Spurgeon, Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. Uh, the text for it comes from John 17, verse 23. I in them. That's from the high priestly prayer. I in them. If such be the union which subsists between our souls and the person of our Lord, how deep and broad is the channel of our communion! This is no narrow pipe through which a thread-like stream may wind its way. It is a channel of amazing depth and breadth, along whose glorious length a ponderous volume of living water may roll its floods. Behold he hath set before us an open door. Let us not be slow to enter. This city of communion hath many pearly gates, every several gate is of one pearl and each gate is thrown open to the utter- uttermost that we may enter assured of welcome. If there were but one small loophole through which to talk with Jesus, it would be a high privilege to thrust a word of fellowship through the narrow door. How much we are blessed in having so large an entrance. Had the Lord Jesus been far away from us, with many a stormy sea between, we should have longed to send a messenger to him, to carry him our loves and bring us tidings from his Father's house. But see his kindness, he has built his house next door to ours. Nay more, he takes lodging with us, and tabernacles in poor humble hearts, that so he may have perpetual intercourse with us. Oh, how foolish must we be, if we do not live in habitual communion with him. When the road is long, and dangerous, and difficult, we need not wonder that friends seldom meet each other. But when they live together, shall Jonathan forget his David? A wife may when her husband is upon a journey abide many days without holding converse with him but she could never endure to be separated from him if she knew him to be in one of the chambers of her own house why believer dost not thou sit at his banquet of wine seek thy lord for for he is near embrace him for he is thy brother hold him fast for he is thine he is thine husband excuse me and press him to thine heart for he is of Thine own flesh. All right, we're going to get into our reading for the day. Uh, we're going to be reading Second Chronicles twenty nine, Romans fourteen, uh, Psalm twenty four, and Proverbs twenty verse twelve. So Second Chronicles twenty nine, and we're coming up. We're going to before the end of the week, we are going to go out of Second Chronicles and into Ezra. So Second Chronicles twenty nine, Hezekiah became king when he was twenty five years old, and he reigned twenty nine years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Abiha, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did what was right in the sight of Yahweh according to all that David his father had done. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of Yahweh and repaired them, and he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them into the square on the east. Then he said to them, Listen to me, O Levites, set yourselves apart now as holy, and set apart as holy the house of Yahweh, the God of our fathers, and bring out the impurity from the holy place. For our fathers have been unfaithful, and have done what is evil in the sight of Yahweh our God, and have forsaken Him, and turned their faces away from the dwelling place of Yahweh, and have turned their backs. They have also shut the doors of the porch, and put out the lamps, and have not burned incense, or offered burnt offerings in the holy place to the God of Israel. Therefore the wrath of Yahweh was against Judah and Jerusalem, and He has made them an object of terror, of horror, and of hissing, as you see with your own eyes. And behold, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and our daughters, and our wives are in captivity for this. Now it is in my heart to cut a covenant with Yahweh, the God of Israel, that his burning anger may turn away from us. My sons, do not be at ease now, for Yahweh has chosen you to stand before him, to minister to him, and to be his ministers, and offer offerings up in smoke. Then the Levites arose, Mahath the son of Amasai and Joel the son of Azariah, from the sons of the Kohathites. And from the sons of Merari, Kish the son of Abdi, and Azariah the son of Jeha- Jehalalel, and from the Gershonites, Joah the son of Zima, Zima, and Eden the son of Joah, and from the sons of Elizaphan, Shimri and Ja'el, and from the sons of Asaph, Zechariah and Mattaniah, and from the sons of Heman, Jehiel and Shimei, and from the sons of Jeduthun, Shemaiah and Uziel. And they gathered their brothers, set themselves apart as holy, and went in to cleanse the house of Yahweh according to the commandment of the king by the words of Yahweh. So the priests went into the inner part of the house of Yahweh to cleanse it, and every unclean thing which they found in the temple of Yahweh they brought out to the court of the house of Yahweh. Then the Levites received it to bring out to the Kidron Valley to an outer area. Then they began to set it apart as holy on the first day of the first month, and on the eighth day of the month they entered the porch of Yahweh. Then they set apart the house of Yahweh as holy in eight days, and completed it on the sixteenth day of the first month. And they went in to King Hezekiah, and said, We have cleansed the whole house of Yahweh, the altar of burnt offering with all of its utensils, and the table of showbread with all its utensils. Moreover, all the utensils which the King Ahaz had rejected during his reign and his unfaithfulness, we have prepared and set apart as holy. And behold, they are before the altar of Yahweh. Then King Hezekiah arose early, and gathered the princes of the city, and went up to the house of Yahweh. And they brought seven bulls, seven rams, seven lambs, and seven male goats for a sin offering for the kingdom, the sanctuary, and Judah. And he ordered the priests, the sons of Aaron, to offer them on the altar of Yahweh. So they slaughtered the bulls, and the priests took the blood, and splashed it on the altar. They also slaughtered the rams, and splashed the blood on the altar. They slaughtered the lambs also, and splashed the blood on the altar. Then they had the male goats of the sin offering approach before the king in the assembly, and they laid their hands on them. And the priests slaughtered them and purged the altar with their blood to atone for all Israel. For the king ordered the burnt offering and the sin offering for all Israel. He then caused the Levites to stand in the house of Yahweh with cymbals, with harps, and with lyres, according to the command of David and of Gad the king's seer, and of Nathan the prophet. For the command was from Yahweh by the hand of his prophets. And the Levites stood with the musical instruments of David, and the priests with the trumpets. Then Hezekiah said to offer offer the burnt offering on the altar. When the burnt offering began, the song to Yahweh also began with the trumpets, accompanied by the instruments of David, king of Israel. While the whole assembly worshipped, the singers also sang, and the trumpets sounded. All this continued until the burnt offering was completed. Now at the completion of the burnt offerings, the king and all who were present with him bowed down and worshipped. Moreover, King Hezekiah and the officials ordered the Levites to sing praises to Yahweh with the words of David and Asaph the seer. So they sang praises with gladness and bowed down and worshipped. Then Hezekiah answered and said, Now that you have become ordained to Yahweh, approach and bring sacrifices and thank offerings to the house of Yahweh. And the assembly brought sacrifices and thank offerings, and all those who were willing of heart brought burnt offerings. And the number of the burnt offerings which the assembly brought were bought I'm sorry, brought was seventy bulls, one hundred rams, and two hundred lambs. All these were for a burnt offering to Yahweh. And the holy things were six hundred bulls and three thousand sheep. But the priests were too few, so that they were unable to skin all the burnt offerings. Therefore their brothers, the Levites, helped them until the work was completed, and until the other priests had set themselves apart as holy. For the Levites were more upright of heart to set themselves apart as holy than the priests. There were also many burnt offerings with the fat of the peace offerings, and with the drink offerings for the burnt offerings. Thus the service of the house of Yahweh was established again then hezekiah and all the people were glad over what god had prepared for the people because the thing this because the thing came about suddenly romans 14 now accept the one who is weak in faith but not for the purpose of passing judgment on opinions one person has faith that he may eat all things but he who is weak eats vegetables only The one who eats must not view the one who does not eat with contempt, and the one who does not eat must not judge the one who eats, for God accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person judges one day above another, another judges every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards the day, regards it for the Lord, and he who eats, eats for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God, and he who does not eat for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. But you, why do you judge your brother, or you again, why do you view your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, to me every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore let us not judge one another any more, but, but rather judge this, not to put a stumbling block or offence fence before a brother. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is defiled defiled in itself. But to him who considers anything to be defiled, to him it is defiled. For if because of food your brother is grieved, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Therefore do not let what is for you a good thing be slandered. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who in this way serves Christ is pleasing to God, and approved by men. So then let us pursue the things which make for peace, and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is good not to eat meat, or to drink wine, or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Blessed is he who does not judge himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin. Psalm 24 Of David, a Psalm The earth is Yahweh's as well as its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers who may ascend into the mountain of Yahweh, and who may rise in his holy place. He who has innocent hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to worthlessness, and has not sworn deceitfully, and shall lift up a blessing from Yahweh, and righteousness from the God of his salvation, this is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Pay heed, O Jacob, Selah. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors that the king of glory may come in, may come in. excuse me. Who is this king of glory? Yahweh, strong and mighty, Yahweh mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift yourselves up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? Yahweh of hosts, he is the king of glory. Selah. And finally, Proverbs 20, I think that's correct. Yeah, Proverbs 20, verse 12. The hearing ear and the seeing eye Yahweh has made both of them all right well that is our reading for the day Um, I hope you have a wonderful day I hope you've had a good weekend I hope you have a wonderful Monday I would continue to implore you to do all that you do for the glory of God and I hope to see you for the evening segment let's go ahead and close in prayer the prayer we're going to close in is called the Trinity let's pray three in one one in three God of my salvation Heavenly Father Blessed Son, Eternal Spirit, I adore thee as one being, one essence, one God in three distinct persons, for bringing sinners to thy knowledge and to thy kingdom. O Father, thou hast loved me and sent Jesus to redeem me. O Jesus, thou hast loved me and assumed my nature. Shed thine own blood to wash away my sins, wrought righteousness to cover my unworthiness. O Holy Spirit, thou hast loved me and entered my heart, implanted their eternal life, REVEALED TO ME THE GLORIES OF JESUS, THREE PERSONS AND ONE GOD. I BLESS AND PRAISE THEE, FOR LOVE SO UNMERITED, SO UNSPEAKABLE, SO WONDROUS, SO MIGHTY TO SAVE THE LOST, AND RAISE THEM TO GLORY. O FATHER, I THANK THEE THAT IN FULLNESS OF GRACE THOU HAST GIVEN ME TO JESUS TO BE HIS SHEEP, JEWEL, PORTION. O JESUS, I THANK THEE THAT IN FULLNESS OF GRACE THOU HAST ACCEPTED, espoused, BOUND ME, O Holy Spirit, I thank Thee that in fullness of grace Thou hast exhibited Jesus as my salvation, implanted faith within me, subdued my stubborn heart, made me one with Him forever. O Father, Thou art enthroned to hear my prayers. O Jesus, Thy hand is outstretched to take my petitions. O Holy Spirit, Thou art willing to help my infirmities, to show me my need, to supply words to pray within me, to strengthen me that I faint not in supplication. O triune God, who commandeth the universe, thou hast commanded me to ask for those things that concern thy kingdom and my soul. Let me live and pray as one baptized into the threefold name. Amen. All right, again, I hope you have yourself a wonderful day, and I hope to see you this evening. Have a good one. God bless. Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Monday, July 31st, excuse me, July 31st episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. Uh, We're going to continue on in our study of uh, the Gospel of John, John chapter 10. So let's go ahead and let's jump straight into it this evening. We're going to go ahead and open up with prayer. The prayer we're going to open up with from Valley of Vision, is called The Deeps. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, give me a deeper repentance, a horror of sin, a dread of its approach. Help me chastely to flee it, and jealously to resolve that my heart shall be Thine alone. Give me a deeper trust, that I may lose myself to find myself in Thee, the ground of my rest, the spring of my being. Give me a deeper knowledge of Thyself, as Savior, Master, Lord, and King. GIVE ME DEEPER POWER IN PRIVATE PRAYER, MORE SWEETNESS IN THY WORD, MORE steadfast GRIP ON ITS TRUTH. GIVE ME DEEPER HOLINESS IN SPEECH, THOUGHT, ACTION, AND LET ME NOT SEEK MORAL VIRTUE APART FROM THEE. PLOW DEEP IN ME, GREAT LORD, HEAVENLY HUSBANDMAN, THAT MY BEING MAY BE A TILLED FIELD, THE ROOTS OF GRACE SPREADING FAR AND WIDE, UNTIL THOU ALONE ART SEEN IN ME. THY BEAUTY GOLDEN LIKE SUMMER HARVEST, THY FRUITFULNESS AS AUTUMN PLENTY. I have no master but thee, no law but thy will, no delight but thyself, no wealth but that thou givest, no good but that thou blessest, no peace but that thou bestowest. I am nothing but that thou makest me, I have nothing but that I receive from thee, I can do nothing but that grace adorns me. Quarry me deep, dear Lord, and then fill me to overflowing with living water. Amen. All right, our evening evening devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. The text is from 1 Chronicles 9, 33. And these are the singers. They were employed in that work day and night. Well was it so ordered in the temple that the sacred chant never ceased for evermore? did the singers praise the Lord, whose mercy endureth forever. As mercy did not cease to rule either by day or by night, so neither did music hush its holy ministry. My heart, there is a lesson sweetly taught to thee in the ceaseless song of Zion's temple. Thou too art a constant debtor, and see thou to it that thy gratitude like charity never faileth. God's praise is constant in heaven, which is to be thy final dwelling place. Learn now to practice the eternal hallelujah. Around the earth as the sun scatters his light, his beams awaken grateful believers to tune their morning hymn. So that by the priesthood of the saints Perpetual praise is kept up at all hours. They swathe our globe in a mantle of thanksgiving and girdle it with a golden belt of song. The Lord always deserves to be praised for what He is in Himself, for His works of creation and providence, for His goodness towards His creatures, and especially for the transcendent act of redemption, and all the marvelous blessing flowing therefrom. It is always beneficial to praise the Lord. It cheers the day and brightens the night. It lightens toil and softens sorrow and over earthly gladness it sheds a sanctifying radiance which makes it less liable to blind us with its glare have we not something to sing about at this moment can we not weave a song out of our present joys or or i'm sorry or our past deliverances or our future hopes earth yields her summer fruits The hay is housed, the golden grain invites the sickle, and the sun tearing long to shine upon a fruitful earth shortens the interval of shade that we may lengthen the hours of devout worship. By the love of Jesus, let us be stirred up to close the day with a psalm of sanctified gladness. All right. Well, like I said, we're continuing on in John chapter 10, and we are in this final section. Again, um, as we talked before, you know, the... uh, We'd come out of chapter 9. Chapter 9 was the man born blind. Um, he'd been born blind. Jesus provided him his sight, gave him his sight. Um, for a man who had never had sight, basically what Jesus had to do was regenerate his eyes. Um, that that power of regeneration. Um, and this was something that the Pharisees, that the Jewish leadership, the Jews, as John refers to them, the Jewish leadership, were exposed to directly. This wasn't something they were getting by hearsay. They were exposed to it directly, but they were so unbelieving. They were just unwilling to accept that Jesus had done a miracle here and that because he had done this miracle, this kind of miracle, it was clear evidence that he was from God. And we've seen that, like I've said before, from John 5 on we've seen him across multiple occasions have to deal with this this Jewish leadership this, this, which is, was religious leadership okay so they, these weren't a bunch of poli- well they were actually politicians the way they behaved but you know what I mean that these were supposed to be religious people so religious leaders people who are knowledgeable in the scriptures that were unwilling to accept this man that from the miracles he had done and he had done great miracles um, We're going to see in the next chapter where he's going to raise somebody from the dead. But he healed the, healed the man at the pool of Bethesda who was lame and had not been able to walk for decades. Decades of his life. Most of his life he had not been able to. We've seen him heal the sick. And like I said in chapter 9, we watched him heal a man born blind. Okay? So <laughs> this is not... It is not unheard of that this man is from God. I mean, I, everything speaks of it. And like we saw as we hit the end of chapter nine, the, the man born blind made the key argument, and of course, got himself thrown out of the synagogue, but made a key argument stating clearly that listen, this man did this miracle this kind of miracle could only be done by a man of god therefore this man is a man of god this was that was a kind of relationship he tried to make very very clear like and they just are not willing i mean they they again they cursed him and they threw him out of the temple and of course jesus came back and we saw jesus you know and we saw that comparison there at the end of between spiritual sight or spiritual blindness well the fact is we've continued on as we get into john 10 we continue to see that that spiritual blindness manifest and we that first section there which was kind of the end of the section where it was that previous that feast of booths that feast of booths that six months out that started in chapter eight this is the end of it here this is the end of it um there up through verse 21 in chapter 10 so that's first section that's about the good shepherd that jesus is the good shepherd and we saw that and we saw his ministry being marked by contrast to false shepherds, um, being bar- marked by concern for the flock, and being marked by compliance to the Father and controversy, and that he brought controversy in a fallen world. Um, you know, again, they're, they're not willing to accept this guy um, and and accept what he's doing. Um, but, it, but it caused controversy because there's some going... Oh, he must have a demon. I mean, they're they're just assuming they're they're basically making ad hominem attacks against him. They're 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 making personal attacks. Where there's there are others going that what this guy is preaching are not the words of someone demon possessed, and then they're going back to his to his miracles and going, Look at what he's done. Could a demon really open the eyes of the blind? Because they've been saying he had a demon you know they're disparaging him but saying he had a demon and they meant it i mean it wasn't just a you know a, oh you must have a demon being ugly they, they really were trying to accuse him of having a demon so we come to our sections that we're dealing with now this section on rejecting the claims of christ and this is from verse 22 john 10 verse 22 to the end of the chapter and again so like i said this happens about two months after what's happened from john 8 to john 10 we have a two-month jump between verse 21 and 22 because the feast of dedication like i told you is what we now call hanukkah okay and it was a feast of remembrance and it was a big deal it was a remembrance of the maccabees of, of judas judas maccabeus um leading the israelites in um revolt against antiochus Epiphanes, um who had despoiled the temple and all that so it was their celebration thus Hanukkah and this was you know no, November December time frame it was um the 25th of chislev is when it occurred so but we saw the initial confrontation that these these Jews gathering around him and again I told you it was like they surrounded him and how long will you keep us in suspense if you are the Christ tell us openly and like I said they were asking the right question is Jesus the Christ but the problem is they're asking and I was very very clear they were asking it, Because they want to accuse him of blasphemy. They want to put him in prison. They're they're not about trying to prove that this is the Christ so they can worship him. Oh, no, no, no. They they want to throw him in jail. They want to throw him in jail and they want to execute him. And they've already tried to kill him twice and been prevented from a a number of reasons or a number of ways, including Jesus being able to just get, get clear of them. Um, But so we saw that confrontation and then we saw Jesus's claims verses 25 through 31. um, And he makes very, very clear, you know, about, you know, I told you and you don't believe the works that I do and and the works are going to come back up in our verses today, but you don't believe the works that I do. Um, and then he goes on to talk about his sheep hearing his voice. And he makes clear that you are not of my sheep because you don't hear my voice. You would rather accuse me than believe me kind of thing. And then he states very clearly in verse 30, I and the father are one. Verse 31, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. They're going to, they want to kill him again. They're going to, they're going to kill him again because they understand where other people would try to mitigate it. They understand that he has clearly stated that he and the father are one he has proclaimed his deity he has made clear he is the son of god he's made clear he's the christ the messiah and they don't want to accept that they're not going to accept that so the jews and again remember john when he says the jews he's talking about the religious leadership this is not necessarily the average people i'm sure there are some of them involved in this but this is the jewish religious leadership who ought to know better than to do this They're doing it because they they want to claim he's blaspheming, except he's not. And that's what we're going to see through the rest of this section. So what we're looking at today is verses 32 and 33. This is the charge, and this is what Jesus charges them with what they're about to do. So again, verse 31, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Our verses for today, verse 32, Jesus answered them. I showed you many good works from the father. For which of them are you stoning me? The Jews answered him, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you being a man, make yourself God. They're referring back to him saying, I and the Father are one. But we also have to look at the point that Jesus answering them going, wait a minute, I showed you many good works from the Father, for which of them are you stoning me? Like I said, he's, he's, um, he's turned water to wine. He's healed repeatedly. Um, The man at the pool pool of Bethesda, the lame man who'd been lame for decades, makes him walk, makes him able to walk. He can all of a sudden provide for himself. The man born blind in John 9, he gives him sight. He regenerates his eyes and gives him sight. And and not only that, but he gives him spiritual sight by the the time you get to the end of chapter nine, gives him spiritual sight. Like I said, in John 11, we're going to see him resurrect somebody. And he makes clear, these are the works from the Father. He has been making clear since John 5. He's been repeatedly making clear that the works I do, I do from the Father. I only do what the Father has told me and shown me to do. He's not doing his own work. He's doing what he's been commanded to by the Father, by God. He's making that very, very, very clear to them repeatedly. That he's doing these works from them. And so we ask him for what of these are you stoning me for which of any of these are you stoning me which is a valid call because he's like "What, what excuse do you have to stone me i've done all these works and i've done them from the father but of course the jews come back and answer him them oh we're not we're not stoning you for that but we're stoning you for blasphemy and because you being a man make yourself god that's the blasphemy Yes, he does make himself God. I and the Father are one. But he's been very, very clear. I I mean, I'm sorry. Just like the man born blind said, this man healed my sight, gave me sight. Only a person from God could do this kind of miracle. Therefore, this man must be from God. So if he's from God and he's doing that and he's proclaiming that, how do they have any grounds whatsoever to stone him? But of course, they are manifesting this spiritual blindness. The spiritual blindness we talked at as we got towards the end of John 9. They're manifesting the spiritual blindness. These are those. Um, shoot, I even preached about them today. Those, um, and we're talking about it, it, the, the passage in Matthew 10, speaking of, you know, um, those that reject those that reject the gospel, and again, Jesus there, as he was instructing the 12, as they were getting ready to go out, he wasn't talking about those who struggle with it a little bit, or are stumbling along, or a little bit slow. He was talking about those that have had the full counsel of the gospel, the full counsel of scripture proclaimed to them, has have had, um, and have been exposed to repeatedly, the fruits of the Holy Spirit working in people's lives, and have chosen to shove it aside, have chosen to reject it, have chosen to, to to even blaspheme it. This is who he's talking about. And this is what these Jewish leaders have become. They are spiritually blind. They are like Pharaoh. They have hardened their heart and hardened their heart and hardened their heart and hardened their heart. And no, we don't have proclamation yet in the scripture here that says God hardened their heart. But it is, is it that much of a leap to make clear that these are those that no matter what Jesus did. Had Jesus turned around and had somebody killed in front of him and raised him from the dead right there, resurrected somebody, they would have still argued that he was not of God and he was blaspheming by indicating that he and the Father are one. Now, all of those miracles, the good works on top of all the scriptures that these Jews, Jewish leadership, religious leadership... Are supposed to be familiar with this this text with the Old Testament with the law and the prophets they are supposed to be experts on this he's met all all of the prophecies except the ones about his crucifixion because it hasn't happened yet but he's met all of the prophecies of being the Messiah of being the Christ and of course the, the Messiah the Christ was the son of man but he was the son of God. And and even that was proclaimed in the Old Testament, that this Messiah was gonna be the son of God. There was no more proof that was necessary to make clear that this man, Jesus, was God incarnate, was the Messiah, was the Christ, was the son of God. And of course, like we've talked about, the whole purpose of the Gospel of John is to show us this evidence To make clear clear to us that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, so that we would believe and that in believing we would have life in his name, John 20, 31. So it's all there. They've got every bit of evidence they need to know that this is Jesus, to know that this is the Christ, that this is the Christ, that this is the Messiah. this, This is the Son of Man and the Son of God. Every bit of information is there. And they've been told it directly. They've been shown it. It's been manifested to them. Again, it it, it 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 reminds me of um the story of Lazarus and the beggar. And they both die, they both end up on an eternity, and the beggar is with Abraham. I think it's with Abraham, and the 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 rich man, Lazarus. No, I'm sorry. The beggar is Lazarus. It's Lazarus and the rich man. So the rich man ends up in hell, and Lazarus ends up with Abraham. I believe it's Abraham. Um, and the rich man, you know, asks Lazarus, you know, hey, can or ask? I'm sorry, ask Abraham. Can you have Lazarus bring me some water? I'm. I'm. Uh, this is awful here. And he says, no, there's no way to cross back and forth. And he goes, well, at least have Lazarus go tell my brothers. You know if someone from the dead comes to them and tells them they'll listen and he's very clear if they won't listen to the they have the law and the prophets and if they won't listen to that then they won't then they're not going to hear this again making clear that if their heart is that hardened that they have to have somebody special come from the dead to instruct them and they they do not listen to the law and the prophets then they're then they're damned. Well, that applies here. These guys have the law and the prophets and here is Jesus living out what they've been taught, living it out, being the exact example. I mean I mean the, the Old Testament is the script of Jesus' life. How how do they not they're not making that association and they're choosing not to make that association. It, it's not that they don't know They're choosing not to make it because they don't want to give in to this. They want to do what they want to do. And we were talking about that today. They want to do what they want to do. We were talking about it in Sunday school class. They want to do what they want to do. It's like people that make arguments about, well, you know, the Bible's been mauled over, you know, thousands of years and stuff. So there's no way that the translations we have today that are really the true translations. They've been so that's not true. And people bring up that argument because they don't want to be obedient to God's law. They don't want to be obedient to his statutes. They want to do whatever the the heck they want to do and they want to justify it. Well, that's what these guys are doing. That's why they want to put, because Jesus truly behaving in a godly manner and living in a godly manner and calling them out makes clear that they are not doing so, even though they proclaim that they do. It is making clear the rank, disgusting hypocrisy run rampant within the Jews, and again, when I say that, I'm saying it like John, within the Jewish leadership, within that religious leadership, they don't want to believe. So that's the charge Jesus is making against them is, I've shown you all this stuff, basically saying, I've made clear to you that, and and shown you clearly through the law and the prophets themselves, that I am the son of man, which means I'm the Messiah, I'm the Christ, meaning i am the son of god for what of that are you stoning me basically saying i'm your messiah why would you stone me that's basically what he's saying to them and they're saying oh we're not doing it because you've shown all those things but we're going to do it because we we want to we want to tell you you're blaspheming which is a lie they know he's not blaspheming but they want to use that charge because it's a it's a drastically serious charge even then drastically serious charge and if they can force through that charge it's possible they can get the commons to back them up they get the commons on their side all of a sudden here's this guy who's been doing all these all these wonderful and and very very popular miracles they can start turning the crowds against them and what do we see in six months well in this case in four months we see the crowd start to turn against him. They start to turn them against him. And the crowd's sitting there screaming, crucify him, crucify him. That's what they're trying to do. But this is the charge Jesus has brought here. Is what else do I have to show you? And I'm, And honestly, so it's kind of like a so what moment. So what does that mean to you and I? Well, the fact is, we've got even more information than they had we know he died and rose again we know you cannot read the scripture and not know that jesus was the christ the messiah that he is our only salvation he is the door the door to the sheepfold the only way as we saw earlier in john 10 that he is our only he is the way the truth and the light he is our only way to salvation so we have no excuse But if we continue to fight that, we are just like these, these Jewish leaders. We are just like these Jewish leaders. And honestly, I mean, even text from my, from my sermon this morning, um, I would, I would, I think you could honestly say that Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off on the day of judgment than these Jewish leaders. And would be better on the Day of Judgment than you and I if we behave like this. That's what we need to see here. Alright, let's go ahead and close up for the evening. We are going to go ahead and close out with the second day evening prayer. It's called Bounty. Let's pray. Thou great and only potentate, thou hast made summer and winter, day and night. Each of these revolutions serves our welfare and is full of thy care and kindness. Thy bounty is seen in the relations that train us, the laws that defend us, the homes that shelter us, the food that builds us, the raiment that comforts us, the continuance of our health, members, senses, understanding, memory, affection, and will. But as stars fade before the rising sun, thou hast eclipsed all these benefits, in the wisdom and grace that purposed redemption by Jesus thy Son. Blessed be thy mercy that laid help on one that is mighty and willing, one that is able to save to the uttermost. Make us deeply sensible of our needs of his saving grace, of the blood that cleanses, of the rest he has promised, and impute to us that righteousness which justifies the guilty. gives them a title to eternal life and possession of the Spirit. May we love the freeness of salvation and joy in its holiness. Give us faith to grasp thy promises that are our hope. Provide for every exigency, and prevent every evil. Keep our hearts from straying after forbidden pleasures. May thy will bind all our wishes. Let us live out of the world as to its spirit, maxim, manners, but live in it as the sphere of our action and usefulness. May we be alive to every call of duty, accepting without question thy determination of our circumstances and our service. Amen. All right. Well, thank you for spending this time with me. I hope you've, I I hope you've been edified by it and, and it is, and it has helped to lead you to a better understanding of God's word. I hope you have a wonderful night and I hope to see you in the morning. Have a good one. God bless.